the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a great weekend. Just want to let you know, if you don't know already, that you can hear Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley. It is Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always listen on your own time to the recording. It is located at aptuswealth.com. Josh, hope you are having a good weekend. Uh, I am. How about yourself? It's really good. Always always just too short, right? Uh, yeah, true. Wanted to start the show off talking about diversification. It's such a popular buzzword uh, when it comes to investing and saving. But is it, what, what are your thoughts on it? Is it overrated? Well, I think, you know, first we have to take a little a short, br- brief history lesson down memory lane to find out what diversification even is and why it started. So if you head back, way back, you know, it used to be that people would buy one stock, maybe two stocks. And then, you know, there was always the potential that that one stock would go out of business, et cetera. And I remember back when I started, they used to use the analogy window panes. You know, would you rather have a window with just one pane or multiple panes? Because if somebody throws a rock, you know, it's you can always replace that one pane. Well, the, the same theory was true with diversification. So now we're going to buy a bunch of different stocks. And the theory is if one goes out of business, then we haven't lost all of our money. But then there was a, a bunch of research that had been that's been done over the years that shows that you can diversify amongst not just multiple stocks, but different asset classes like international stocks, uh, small company stocks, large company value, growth, et cetera, uh, bonds. And you can actually achieve a more consistent rate of return with lower risk, which effectively means you're lowering your volatility, but not giving up upside. And, you know, they came up with something called uh, modern portfolio theory. Well, I think diversification is kind of careened out of control from there. So do, I guess to answer your question, do I think that diversification is overrated? Absolutely not. But do I think that people are drastically over-diversified um, in their minds, but really not that diversified in reality? I think that's, that's also true. Let me give you an example. There's something called overlap. And overlap addresses... The issue that while you might have, you know, the ABC Mutual Fund A and uh, ABC Mutual Fund B, and they both say growth fund, and I go, aha, I'm diversified between these two different growth funds, there's a very high probability that both of those funds hold the same stocks or a large percentage of the same stocks. So there's a tremendous amount of overlap. Diversification should be just that. You should be diversified amongst 
different stocks, different asset classes that help you achieve your results and minimize risk as much as possible. But just simply saying, I have a bunch of different mutual funds, so I'm diversified. Maybe, maybe not. And I think that overlaps a huge issue. Um, so that's, I think, number one. The other, the other issue is diversification is not just stocks and bonds. And that seems to be the direction that we've all uh, headed is as we get older and older and older or closer and closer to retirement, we need to increase our bond exposure and reduce our stock exposure, which on the surface makes sense, right? Bonds are less, quote, risky than stocks. So I start getting out of the risky assets and getting into the less risky assets, which are bonds, as I get closer and closer to retirement or older and older. The problem with that is uh, timing. Uh, We are in a situation now where interest rates are at the lowest they've ever been in the history of the United States. Uh, The 10-year Treasury uh, broke two records last year, Uh, one when it dropped below 1% for the first time in history, and then it set a second one when it dropped below a half a percent. So clearly bonds are not um, returning much. So how much are we getting out of risky assets to go into other assets that are returning almost nothing? Then on top of that, There's an issue of as interest rates go up, bond prices go down, ignoring all other factors. So we have a situation where we're either going to earn nothing or next to nothing, or there's a potential where we could actually lose money in our, quote, risky category. The only way that could really be offset is if the stock market becomes so volatile that the demand for bonds goes up so high that it can overcome those other two issues. So that old adage of just purely looking at bonds for our safety net might not be as safe or as productive as we'd like it to be. And certainly earning 1% or less over a long period of time is not going to adjust for inflation the way we need it to in retirement. So we have to look for other avenues to achieve diversification, minimize risk, but also achieve a yield that will get us through retirement and account for inflation. And what about the uh, 60-40 idea of doing of the 60-40 concept. Yes. So the old 60-40 was uh, as long as I keep 60% of my money in stocks and 40% of my money in bonds, I'm limiting my risk because 40% of my money is not tied to the stock market. If the stock market goes down, historically speaking, bonds go up. They're kind of uncorrelated so they can help balance that out. But again, and the theory was, as long as I'm invested that way and I don't pull out more than 4% of my pot of money, I can make it through retirement and I'll never run out of money. And again, I I think there's a a huge challenge there. And that is if 40% of your money is effectively earning nothing and 60% of your money is incredibly volatile, will you make it? And, you know, the Academy of Smart People and all the research institutes are starting to say, no, you're not going to make it. You're going to have to reduce your withdrawal rate. And you're seeing things like the death of the 4%. It used to be the 4% rule. Is that really still applicable with bond rates being where they are? Or are you going to have to start taking less? And my contention is you don't have to take less, but you're going to have to start using other tools to diversify your risk beyond just bonds. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, call Aptus and Josh at 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. Josh, you often wisely mention having a plan is essential. What elements of these plans do you find that people generally have the most to learn? Well, the first thing that I would say that is probably counterintuitive and odd, I can't even believe I'm saying it, I think we need to turn the darn TV off. You know, our news, and I'm not hopping up on my uh, 
you know, my soapbox here, but our news has really made a transition to, you know, muckraking and, you know, trying to be sensational, trying to get people polarized, et cetera. And that's transferred over to our financial news. You know, we hear about this person made a bazillion dollars in seven minutes and this person lost a bazillion dollars in seven minutes. And this, this level of polarity that we see in our news is really not doing us any favors. So the first thing I would say in the process of learning how to retire or learning retirement planning is quit paying attention to the financial news a little bit um, because it's not doing you any favors. If you want to read about finance, pick up a finance book, hop online to a trusted resource and read about some of the tools and time-tested methods to retirement planning, but kind of ignore the television a little bit. Um, secondly, the, the one thing that I hear a lot, and this is probably partially the news's fault, is people trying to time the market. You know, people will say, I think the market's going to pull back. Uh, I'm going to sit it out, and then I'm going to wait for it to drop, and then we're going to buy in. And conceptually, that makes perfect sense, Diane, is, you know, you want to buy low, sell high. The problem is uh, timing is not quite that easy. And if I look across the board at clients that I have that are the wealthiest, they take a different approach, and that is they automate. They just automate their savings. They save every single month. It gets pulled out automatically. They invest it whether the market's up or down. And over time, they benefit from that dollar cost averaging in. So turn off the news, automate, don't try and time the market. And then, you know, lastly, um, make sure you're taking advantage of all of the benefits that are available to you. Meaning, are you maximizing to your, uh, your 401k match? It always shocks me uh, how many people don't even know what their 401k match is. It's free money. If you're one of the fortunate people that have one, make sure you're taking advantage of it. Um, two, taking advantage of any tax uh, benefits that you can get your hands on based upon your particular situation. Uh, make sure you're, you're on point with that type of stuff. Um, and then take a proactive approach to your retirement. Uh, oftentimes I hear, you know, it's really not my thing. Uh, retire, you know, finance isn't my thing. I'm, uh, you know, insert occupation. I, I don't, numbers aren't my thing. Finance isn't my thing. The more you make it your thing, the better off you are. And that by no means needs, means you need to be, you know, a financial expert. But any information that you can garner that can help you get a better grasp on the conversations that we have will be helpful in the long run for sure. So, you know, very long-winded answer to your question, but ultimately what I think people need to do is start focusing on learning rather than just listening to buzzwords on, uh, you know, some television station. Quit trying to time the market to get rich quick, automate, create a plan, and uh, try and learn as much as you can. Let's talk about dollar cost averaging. For those that aren't familiar with that term, can you explain that? Yeah, dollar cost averaging is... Let's say you have a, a, a stock market that's going up and down all the time. And you just say, I don't care what the stock market's doing. I'm going to buy in every first of the month. Well, sometimes you're going to buy in and it's going to be really low. And sometimes you're going to buy in and it's going to be higher. But historically speaking, the purchase price that you have as a blended average ends up being more beneficial than trying to time the market. Timing the market is really a loser's game by and large. While you can make some uh, subtle modifications that can make a significant difference in the long run, trying to just literally time the market uh, almost never works. If it did work, and, and I call it, this is something that I tell people all the time, I cannot tell you how many people come in and say, I, I got this new trading platform. It's, you know, this person, they make 100% a year. And now for 
the small price of forty nine ninety five, they're going to teach me how to do it. If you started with a thousand dollars and you made a hundred percent a year, you'd be a billionaire in twenty years. If you could then make a billion every single year after that, why would you sell something for forty nine ninety five? You'd be on your own island somewhere. Timing simply does not work in the long run. Dollar cost averaging does, and automating does. And one thing you didn't mention, Josh, is how important it is is to have a, a professional work with you. Because these are a lot of things yeah, to take you know, care of. Yeah, It's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I mean, you have when, you, when you're talking about a real retirement plan, you're not just talking about what's the performance of my investment doing, but am I taking advantage of the, the, the best tax situation for myself? Am I, do I have my beneficiaries aligned? What's my estate plan look like? What if you know my job gets cut short? What's my contingency plan? Uh, you know the list goes on and on and on, and it can become somewhat overwhelming. Fortunately, you know, much like me trying to figure out how to be a doctor via the internet, I still go to a doctor. Well, similarly, if you want to have a all-encompassing retirement plan, you should go to a fiduciary. And I say that word very specifically because I think a fiduciary is on your side of the table and isn't swayed in any way by commission. So find a fiduciary who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If it's retirement planning, find somebody who focuses entirely on retirement planning and have them put together a plan for you uh, that will be an educational process for you along the way. It will be a non-biased approach to what are the best vehicles for you to utilize in your situation as opposed to what's the highest commission rate that I can get paid along the way. And make sure that it's, you know, it's, it's much like going and getting a checkup. Make sure you're on the right track and make sure there's nothing that you need to be focused or paying attention to that might derail you. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You can call to schedule an appointment and go through the Aptis Blueprint process there. We'll have more with Josh Pick when we come back. You're listening to the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Show. We'll be back with more at the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptis Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptis Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptis Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptiswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what are some steps that people should take to get ready for hitting the the off-ramp to retirement? Well, firstly, don't base your decision just on an age. Uh, I hear that oftentimes, you know, well, I've, I've worked at this place for 40 years, I'm done. Well, it's not quite that simple. I wish it was. Um, and if we were back in the days of pensions, it would be, but we're not. Um, so you, you have to do some things before you pull that ripcord just to make sure that you've covered your basis. And I think, you know, the, the most important one uh, is not how much money you have, but how much money you need. So sit down and really get a good idea as to what your real income number is, meaning how much money do you need per month after the taxes are paid, after all the dust settles? 
how much money per month do you need to live on? And how realistic is that? And maybe even before you pull the ripcord, start living on that amount of money. So, you know, if you say, I'm just going to replicate the exact same amount of money that I'm living on now, well, then obviously that's working. But if you say, you know, I'm used to living on 10 grand a month, but I think I could do it on six. Well, maybe you could, but live on six for a few months and see how that feels and make sure you're right before you make a decision that you can't necessarily undo. So find that real income number. Once you find the real income number, then you can determine off of that income number, how much do I need as a gross number? So let's just use some real easy uh, examples here. Uh, if, if the number is $6,000 a month, well, okay, out of the $6,000 a month between my wife and I, we're going to get $3,000 a month out of Social Security. We don't have a pension, so that means I have a $3,000 a month shortfall. Obviously, I haven't taken into account taxes yet, so let's just randomly throw in an extra, you know, call it $500 a month in taxes. That's $3,500. Well, that's $42,000 a year. I need about a million dollars to achieve that. And the way that you come up with that is you just say, I need about, off of my assets, I can pull about 4% off per year. So that kind of gets your gross number. And obviously, Diane, as I'm telling you all this, and I'm going through these numbers very quickly, these are general rules of thumb. They're not by any means ironclad, and, and my office will clearly help people walk through this process and make sure that they're set up. But once you find that number, then you can start to go, okay, well, now that I know this, how do I base my portfolio? How should I be invested? How much risk can I take, et cetera? But some other questions that go beyond the dollars and cents is uh, one that comes up a lot is, Sure, you only need $6,000 a month, even though you're making $10,000 a month. But where's the other four grand going? And oftentimes, Diane, that four grand is going to things like helping out kids. Well, are you going to quit? And if so, have you prepared that cash flow, uh, that person receiving that cash flow on the stoppage of that cash flow? In other words, you know, if they're reliant upon that money and then you just cut them off, how damaging will that be and how guilty will you feel? Kind of get these things ironed out early on. You know, taxes. Part of the retirement planning process is let's figure out how much taxes you're going to have to pay when you retire. Because that, that'll tell us how much gross number we actually need to withdraw to hit the net number, which tells us how much money we need in that big pot of money. And then what, what if something happens to you? Do you have your estate plan set up? So there's a lot of things, Diane, that go into this whole uh, process before you pull the ripcord. My, my only real ironclad word of caution to everybody before they do it is don't do it arbitrarily. Don't just say, I'm done, I'm out. Make sure you do the math beforehand and then you can confidently pull that ripcord. Because right now, as you're looking at retirement, I've heard it explained to me that you're you know, you're standing on the edge of the cliff. You have a you have a parachute on your backpack that you are on your back that you packed. You've never packed one before, no, nor have you skydove before. And you're about to jump. So it might be worth it to, uh, you know, take a step back off the cliff, have somebody look it over, maybe explain how to do the jump, uh, you know, increase your chances of success uh, before you just go, I've had enough and I'm jumping. Uh, so find a professional, deal with my office. We'll walk you through all the questions that you need to, need to ask. We'll walk you through the process of how to get from point A to point B, show you where some of the risk factors might lie, how we can circumvent those issues, um, we'll just make sure you walk into retirement very, very comfortably knowing that you covered all your bases and you didn't left anything. You didn't leave any stone unturned. And that first meeting or there's uh, f several meetings when you are meeting with a potential client, it's called the Aptus Blueprint Process. Can you walk us through that again? 
Yeah, meeting number one is, is really the question meeting. So everything that you just asked me, uh, we're going to ask the individual in a very systematic, making sure we don't leave any stone unturned approach. Now we're going to find out what you want to accomplish, what you've been doing up to this point, what resources you have to fund retirement. Are you expecting an inheritance? I mean, literally an hour of nothing but asking questions. Uh, we call that the discovery meeting. And then in meeting number two, we're going to analyze everything you told us. So it's it's really just showing you if we're not involved, we just sit back and you keep doing what you're doing. Here's what your retirement looks like. Here are the risks that may or may not be involved in that retirement. What are things that need to be addressed? And then in meeting number three, if anything needed to be addressed or if there are ways that we can improve your situation, we'll lay it out in what we call our blueprint meeting, which is literally a guide of how to improve or eliminate risk uh, throughout your retirement and make it as comfortable as possible. And then not until meeting number four will we actually decide whether or not this makes sense for us to move forward with. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, I wanted to go back to talking about giving money to your kids. How hard of a conversation is that? Or do you find a lot of your clients really have a difficult time cutting them off? That sounds harsh, cutting them I off. I think there's a lot of things. Helping that, them less, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, and, and let's, let's face facts. I mean, there's two ways that you can help uh, children. Uh, one way is you give them kind of, you know, it's an anomaly type situation. Oh, we're going to take them on a trip and we're going to pay for it. You know, cutting them off from that, even though you said it was harsh, is really not that big of a deal. Uh, but if you're paying their mortgage, it's a really big deal. Um, what I find most times is that the prior is true and not the latter, meaning we're not paying for mortgage payments, but we're buying the kids clothes, we're paying for their, uh, you know, maybe extracurricular activities, et cetera. Um, it's oftentimes more difficult on the parents than it is on the kids. Parents don't want to have the conversation. Parents don't want to, uh, you know, stop that flow of money. Parents don't want to quit buying grandkids stuff. And as long as you can afford it, that's fine. But if your situation is pretty tight where that extra $500 a month really negatively affects your situation. Are you willing to make that decision or is it worth working more so you don't have to make the decision? I just want to make people aware of what their choices are. Ultimately, the choices are theirs. So by no means, Diane, am I going to tell somebody they can't keep buying their grandkids stuff? By the way, you just need to know what the consequences are of you doing that. And my job is to fill you in on the accurate information. Sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow, but you know it's still the medicine that you need. Well, and some people are just not ego, but, you know, they want to feel like they're always providing for their kids. So it's a hard conversation to have to say, I can't help you. So my question is, will you call the kids and tell them the news that parents aren't going to help them again? Absolutely not. <laughs> not, not even remotely. No, I'm not. I wouldn't touch that at all. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about uh, once people are in retirement, are there ways uh, for them to find money? Yeah, well, let me make sure I understand the question. By finding money, I'm assuming you mean other resources other than their investment portfolio. Yeah, other sources and or of income. maybe getting a job yeah. that they could find. Yeah. One that you know kind of gets a bad rap is your home. You know, for most people, their home is one of their biggest resources. And, and you know, in the past we heard the term reverse mortgage. And it was, you know, you almost cross your fingers and, uh, yuck, I don't want to get near the reverse mortgage. And, and I agree to that sent, uh, you know, sentiment back in the day. And, and that is, you know, it was kind of the Wild West. And uh, reverse mortgages were not a clean industry, to say the least. 
they were not all created equal. They were money generating en engines and, and definitely for the commission sales people and for the banks, but maybe not for the clients back in the day. Times have changed and they're not even called reverse mortgages anymore. They're called Heckam loans. And while Heckam loans aren't the ideal situation for everybody, what they do offer, and you could do the same thing, I suppose, with a uh, equity line, what they do offer is an uh, ability to people for people in retirement to access the equity inside of their homes and turn it into an income stream. They still get to live in their home. They still pass their home on to their beneficiaries and their beneficiaries can still sell the home. They just have the loan to pay back uh, after they sell the home. Now, if they've taken out so much money and the loan is appreciated to the point where or grown to the point where there is no equity left, well, then obviously there's no reason to sell and it's not your home anymore. But you get to live in your home for the rest of your life. You cannot be kicked out of your home. And now you have this other income source. So don't necessarily, again, I wouldn't suggest that everybody listening runs to the to their nearest bank and says, I want to get a Heckam loan. It might not be for you, but it is a resource. Um, and, and that kind of points me down a, a, another path, and that is just simply debt management is a resource that a lot of people don't investigate. Refinancing your home. If you still have a mortgage, we're in the lowest interest rates in the history of the United States. Refinancing your loan could free up a lot of cash flow. Um, if you know that, hey, I have 20 years left on my mortgage and my mortgage payment is $1,000 a month and I'm 75 years old, I'm not suggesting you're not going to live to 95, but chances are you're not going to see your home paid off. So could it be advantageous from a cash flow perspective to take out a 30-year mortgage and lower your payment by two or $300 a month? could be something that moves the needle for you dramatically. So debt management and using your home and home equity to lower, uh, either create another cash flow for you or lower your cash flow draw out in the form of debt management, both are very advantageous and you could consider those, I suppose, quote, found money. Any other, any other ideas to do that as well? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them out there, but I think, you know, anything beyond what I just said is going to entail some risk. So, uh, I'll come up with some other ideas right now that are they're pretty popular, but uh, proceed with caution. And the reason I say proceed with caution is they do carry, again, a significant more amount of risk than something like refinancing your home. One would be, you know, could you invest in a small business? That could be a, another form of found money in the way of cash flow because small businesses obviously have a potential to generate a significant amount of income. But the flip side of that is, we all know the stories about small businesses. Many of them go out of business rather quickly, uh, and we've seen that more than ever now with COVID. You know, there are a bunch of other ancillary ideas that can drive additional income, but the easiest one would certainly be through debt management and through the equity in your home. Everything beyond that uh, will entail more risk. You know, peer-to-peer -peer lending. There's a bunch of different ideas that we can help walk you through to make sure that you know, I mean, listen, Diane, there's no investment that doesn't have pros and cons. Any investment that's brought to your attention where only the pros are addressed, it usually means because the con is so bad that they're hiding it. There are pros and cons to every investment. The key is that you know what they are and you know what would cause one thing to happen versus another. So my job is to explain to people how these investments work and what would be things to look out for before we make a bad decision. So... Uh, before you go and do any of these other things, uh, again, proceed with caution. Contact my office. We'll walk you through them. 
And Josh's office number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. You can join Josh every Monday for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley. That's every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. When we come back, Secret Wills. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Just want to let you know, if you don't know already, that you can hear Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley. It is Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always listen on your own time to the recording. It is located at aptuswealth.com. Josh, I recently read that the late Larry King had a secret will, and people close to him are now fighting over that. How can you and your team help people deal with different situations like this? Well, these are always... I don't want to say shocking to me, but but somewhat shocking in that you have a gentleman, and I, I certainly don't want to uh, talk ill of the, the dead here with uh, Larry King, but you have, you have a guy that's incredibly wealthy who has at his disposal, I would assume, some of the best and brightest minds in the, in the United States in the way of, you know, financial planners, uh, investment advisors, uh, legal team, et cetera. And then you see these fights over secret wills that are handwritten. Uh, let's first cover what a will does. A will says, this is where I want my stuff to go. Also says, you know, little things like, you know, if I have a watch, I want my watch to go to one kid and I want my, you know, whatever to go to another kid. It also lays out, you know, maybe where you want to be buried, things like that. But anything that has a beneficiary attached to it, meaning your 401k, your IRAs, um, you know, your life insurance, annuities, pensions, all of those things supersede your will. So none of that goes through your will. It all bypasses your will. And it is not contestable because it doesn't go through probate. When you hear people contesting a will, that means they're going to probate court and arguing as to the validity of the will and also what the will intended to do. Well, if it doesn't go to the courts, then that conversation is over. And first, I guess, let me give a disclaimer that I'm not an attorney. I'm not professing to give any legal advice, but that is a fact. Have beneficiaries attached to it. You can add a beneficiary to your home. Go to the, uh, you know, the county auditor and ask, how do I make my house payable on death? Again, bypasses probate. You could go to your bank accounts at the bank and say, in the event that something happens to me, I would like to set my bank accounts up as payable or transfer on death, which is the same as adding a beneficiary. That bypasses that. So theoretically, the only thing that should go through your will 
is where you want your 20-year-old T-shirts and your belts to go, um, and it shouldn't be your financial assets. Anything that is of significant value beyond your will, you would want to have in some form of a trust more than likely, so that bypasses probate. And you can put clauses inside of that trust that you know really reject contestability. So it always shocks me, um, and I guess you know full disclaimer you can you can pretty much contest anything it's whether or not you're going to win the contestment of it but if set up cleanly there really shouldn't be these huge debates but yet it seems like uh there's a ton of them all the time and in a hand i'd heard at least that it was a handwritten will so i i think this could have been pretty quickly alleviated but it happens all the time and my job is to make sure that people are well aware of any investments that they have with me or any other things that they have going on that we set them up on my end in the way that they wish them to be transferred. And then any additional questions that they have, um, we have you know plenty of relationships with fantastic attorneys here in Columbus that we can refer you to that make sure that those, those things are accomplished in the way that you want them accomplished so that they're not contestable. So in this situation, apparently they did have an estate plan. And then they were filing for divorce. And this is, I guess, I'm getting gossipy. I'm like, why at that late stage of the game do you even get a divorce? But <laughs> no, no, this is fun. This is fun stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so they, the pair filed for divorce in August of 2019. And then King allegedly hand wrote a note. So, and I guess this is a question we aren't, um, this is a question for an attorney, but would that trump the, the estate plan, which I, I assume would be a trust, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know his entire estate plan, but I can tell you, for example, if I have, let's say I'll, I'll use my company for an example. Let's say my company is owned um, in the event that I pass away, it is owned, it immediately is transferred to a trust, and then those uh, assets go to my kids in some form or fashion, my wife, whoever it might be. I can't just write a handwritten note and say, uh, you know, that binding contract that I had that said this was all going to go to my trust. Um, I, I changed my mind and uh, I'd like it to all go to Bill instead. You know, you, it's not quite that easy. At least I don't think so. This is a question for an attorney. But uh, it, it seems like these 11th hour type notes uh, always make things very muddy, don't they? I mean, we, we there's there's numerous examples of this occurring where... Well, you know, he was in the hospital and he couldn't communicate with anybody. But uh, in, in a moment of clarity, he wrote down that he wanted me uh, to have everything right now. <laughs> OK, maybe, maybe, maybe it happened. I, I don't know. But again, uh, to, to circle back to what my role is in this process, I want to make sure that whatever a client has invested with me uh, will pass on according to their wishes and will not be contested. And I believe, on my end, that's a, a pretty uh, reasonable and easy thing to accomplish. Josh's number, the number to call if you and your spouse would like to schedule an appointment with Josh and look at your options and go through the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process. The number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. And just want to remind you that every Monday at 6 p.m., Josh talks to Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. You can also hear that conversation as well at aptuswealth.com. Josh, let's talk about real estate. Home prices are at an all-time high. 
Uh, should those close to retirement think about selling now to take advantage of the high prices to boost their savings? Or how do you feel about that? Well, let's ask the, the local real estate expert that's uh, interviewing me right now. For those of you listening who don't know, Diane is the real estate guru. Uh, so what do you think? Do you think now is a great time to sell? It's a great time to sell, but where are you going to move? So I think each case is individual. It depends on their situation. Um, rents are high, so you have to look at, are you sure you're getting that chunk of money, but where are you going to be staying during retirement, and what is your cost of living going to be then? And you have to kind of weigh your options. Yeah, I agree 100%, Diane. And I think if, if your logic behind selling is, you know, let's say you live in a, a five-bedroom house that has 4,000 square feet, and you know, you're getting ready for retirement, the kids are, are out of the house, and you decide, hey, we want to downsize to a, you know, an 1,800-square-foot ranch, well, then obviously that exchange may be very financially advantageous. You know, we sell the big house, make it's a great time to sell, just like you said, and you're buying a home that is not quite as expensive. Or maybe your logic, you know, here in Columbus, I mean, tax rates are very widely ranging in the way of property taxes. So, you know, I live in Olentangy School District. Olentangy School District is a great school district, but the taxes are pretty high. So maybe we want to move out of that school district to save not just on the price of the home, but on our monthly payment in the way of taxes. Those would be great examples. But I don't think, you know, much like you said, Diane, just to say it's a great time to sell, you're going to have to rebuy something unless you rent. And if you rent... Uh, it's it's a pretty high rent district uh, right now, and I don't think that that's going to change, particularly as the government continues to print money. It's very arguable to say that <clears throat> inflation's, inflation in all things, including rents, will continue to climb. So I would say, again, great time to sell, great time to use that money to maximize retirement income, but let's make sure we have a plan. Um, you know, is it more advantageous, you know, we talked about just in a previous segment, is it more advantageous to get a Heckam loan, save on the moving costs, save on a lot of different things, and live off of that income and stay in the home that you're in for the remainder of your life? Or is it better off to buy, uh, to sell that home and buy a smaller home? And there's other things to consider that I'm sure everybody listening would, would know would be pretty obvious, like you live in a 40-year-old house, and as you get older, you don't want to deal with the maintenance issues, and you can downsize, save money, accomplish all these things, but also get into a home that's basically brand new that still has you know a brand new roof, brand new everything in it, and that might be uh, hugely comforting for you. But great time to sell, but uh, you're going to have to buy something, and I don't know that it's a great time to buy. I think you were telling me, Diane, one of the areas you cover uh, is Arizona, and before we got on the radio, you had said that on average in the Scottsdale area, there's, what, 25,000 homes in the MLS? Yes, Phoenix metro area. And now there are... Phoenix metro area, there's usually 25,000. Yeah, now there's 4,600. So the demand now is... Now there's 4,600. So, yeah, we have 20, 20% of the supply for arguably the same amount of demand. So I think, you know, as with everything that we talk about on the show is make sure you do your research... My office is always here to help, but let's make sure we come up with a plan that's based on logic and not necessarily based on emotion, and let's make sure that we know all the pros and cons before we move forward. That doesn't mean, by the way, I think oftentimes uh, I sound like a broken record talking about, well, you got to be pragmatic, and you got to – that doesn't mean that we take the fun out of it, all right? I mean, once you, once you get the, the numbers worked out, well, then by all means, go have fun. You know, it's, 
my wife oftentimes says, you know, you kind of, well, I want to go buy a new car and I want to feel good about the new car. And if all you talk about is the numbers, you're kind of sucking the fun out of me getting the new car smell. Well, no, let's just figure out that the numbers make sense. And then by all means, let's go have fun with the whole process and buy something cool. But let's just not go buy something cool and then figure out how the heck we're going to pay for it after the fact and make sure it wasn't a bad idea because the damage is kind of already done at that point. Uh, you had mentioned the Heckam loans, and I know if people are just joining us, they didn't hear the segment where we were talking about that. Can you explain what that is? That's another way for people to use their property uh, for a source of income versus just selling it. And also, with the interest rates so low, uh, refinancing, a great idea as well. Yeah, and, and the low interest rates also benefit Heckam loans. Um, so refinancing, everybody probably understands. You know, you refinance uh, at a lower interest rate and your payment goes down or you pay off the house quicker. So great time to do that, lowest interest rates in the history of the United States. The Heckam loan, on the other hand, is uh, the easiest way to explain it would be think of a home equity loan that you don't pay anything back on until you die. So what you're effectively doing is saying, I want some of the equity in my home. And typically you can get somewhere around 50% of the equity that's in your home. So if, you owe, if your house is worth a half a million dollars and you still owe $100,000 on it, you could theoretically say, I'm not going to pay back that 100000 that I owe on it ever again and get another 150 in cash or some version of payments back to you, almost like a pension. And that interest on that Heckam loan grows while you're alive but is not due until you die. You are not allowed to be kicked out of your home. Uh, you continue to live there as, for as long as you want. Can you sell your house? Absolutely. You would just have to pay back the loan at that point. Um, if you pass away, do your beneficiaries still have an, uh, the opportunity to benefit from the equity in your home? Yes, but the loan has to be paid back. And with rates as low as they are, it might be a very viable alternative for income. And know that I have no dog in this fight. I don't make any money off of Heckam loans. Um, but in today's world where retirement is becoming uh, sometimes forced upon us, meaning you know COVID has maybe uh, you know furloughed your position or maybe the job prospects for you do not look good, you were hoping to be able to work for another few years, but that's not in the cards now. And you've been forced into retirement and you're looking for what resources can I pull together to make this work? It might be an option that gets you from point A to point B that you haven't taken a look at. And, you know, we're happy to take a look at that with you, uh, you know, look at that with all of your other resources and, and say, is that something you need to do? And if it is something you need to do, what is a viable, uh, way to do it. What's the most advantageous way for you to do it? You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, call Aptus and Josh at 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. We'll be back with more after the break. Don't forget, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays every Monday evening at 6 on 98.9 The Answer. We'll be back with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show in a moment. This is Josh Pick, host of the Aptus Blueprint Radio Show, Saturday evenings from 4 to 5. At Aptus Wealth Management, we take a proactive, tactical approach to managing risk and answer some of the most important questions. Can I retire? How can I make sure I don't run out of money? Am I taking too much risk in my portfolio? How can I maximize Social Security? How can I reduce taxes and more? Everyone's situation is different. That's why we provide a personalized retirement blueprint and there's no cost or obligation to get started. The first step is easy. A short phone call or meeting in our office, 
Then we'll analyze your specific situation and see if your current retirement strategy meets your goals. From there, we'll work with our planning team to identify areas where we can help. The process is simple. We don't charge for any initial planning services and there's never any high pressure sales pitch. What do you have to lose? Give us a call today to get started. To get your custom retirement blueprint, set up your free introductory meeting right now. All you have to do is call Josh's office at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, I know one of your sayings, you always quote Warren Buffett about the two ways to keep your money. Don't get married. Number two, don't get divorced. How does divorce impact, uh, well, it impacts everything, but let's talk about it in terms of Social Security benefits. Yeah, well, in terms of Social Security, if you were married for 10 years and you are not remarried at the time of filing for Social Security, Social Security, for all intents and purposes, still considers you married to your ex-spouse, which can be hugely advantageous. So let's use an example. Let's say that you were married for 15 or 20 years and uh, you decided, your family decided that you were going to be a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad. And as a result, you didn't pay into Social Security uh, significantly during those years, so it negatively affected your Social Security payment. And let's just say for argument's sake that on your own, your Social Security payment was going to be $800 a month, but your ex-spouse's Social Security payment is going to be $2,500 a month. Well, you're actually entitled to half of your ex-spouse's or 100% of yours, which is ever greater. So in this scenario, you'd be getting 800 on your own or potentially 1250 um, if you use your ex-spouses. So it can be hugely advantageous for divorce scenarios. Now that said, there are quite a bit of myths that surround this. So let's address a couple of those, I suppose. Um, One, you do not need to let your ex-spouse know that you're doing it. They do not need to sign off on it. They will not know that you're collecting off of their benefit. It doesn't negatively affect their benefit. Um, You don't need their blessing in any form or fashion. So all you, all you need to do is go into the Social Security office. They will pull up that you were once married, pull that spouse's uh, Social Security number, and say, here's yours, here's half of theirs, uh, provide a divorce decree, and, and you're good to go. Um, you're just going to get that amount. The other one that uh, I hear oftentimes that has some, uh, some merit but not necessarily true is I can collect on mine. Uh, and let theirs grow and then, or I can collect on theirs, excuse me, let mine grow and then I'll collect mine and I kind of double dip. So I'm, I'm collecting like a spousal benefit while I allow mine to accrue and then I collect off of mine. <clears throat> that was the case uh, back in the day, if you will, but the Bipartisan Budget Act in 2015 eliminated that. Um, so if you were not born prior to 1954, you can no longer do that. So you basically have to pick. But if you are born before 1954, then absolutely you can. The other common thing that kind of goes along with that is people who let their Social Security grow. So we all know that 
you know, if you start collecting at 62, you get less than when you're 66 and 67 and so forth. Well, the math is if your full retirement age was 66, every year that you wait past 66, your social security benefit goes up by 8%. If you're collecting a spousal benefit, the maximum that you can get is the spousal benefit based upon your ex-spouse being 66. So you don't get any benefit from those four years following, which can significantly change the date that you elect to collect because you might say, well, I wait, I'm going to work until I'm 70. It still might be advantageous for you to file at 66 for social security, even when you're working, because it's not going to give you a significant benefit potentially for waiting. So like with all things, Diane, you have to investigate your individual social security, come up with the best plan for you. There's a lot of choices. Fortunately for us, we have computers and programs that will tell us the best choice for you. And that's part of our planning process every single time. So we're always going to go over that. Um, but we need to do the math to make sure that it all links together because not just uh, how do we maximize Social Security in kind of a wind tunnel, meaning maximize the benefit, uh, whether you're divorced, married, single, doesn't matter. But also what impact does that have on taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So this is all part of the process. But know that um, if you were divorced, but you were married for over 10 years, you're going to have more options uh, than just yours. We'll help you figure out what the best option is. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, if you don't get divorced and you stay together. But first, I want to give everyone your number so that they can schedule their own planning session with you. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. So, Josh, how about this? You stay together. You don't get a divorce. One spouse finds out the, the other one is overspending. I know earlier in the show, I asked you if you could actually talk to people's children to say, you know, mom and dad are not going to give you any more money any longer. But will you talk to a spouse who is maybe overspending and throwing the whole retirement plan off? While I certainly won't ambush the spouse um, and say, you know, have an intervention necessarily, what I will do and do all the time is have reviews. And we have reviews every six months. So I see my clients every six months. And during that, it's, it's not so much making the other spouse the bad person for saying, you know, this spouse is overspending. My husband's overspending. Um, it's about us reviewing the plan and seeing how it's going. So the spouse doesn't even need to tell me. It'll be very clear to me to figure out. Um, and it's not my job to tell people what to spend their money on. I think oftentimes that's a misnomer. You know, I bought a boat. I know it was a stupid purchase. I don't care if your purchases are smart or stupid. It doesn't matter to me. What it matters to me is do you have the financial means to be purchasing at the rate that you're purchasing? So what I will always share is this is your trajectory. Here's what your retirement picture looks like. This is how much money you have. This is how much you're spending. At the current rate of spending, this is when you're going to run out of money. And hopefully that number is a really, really long time away, Diane, and we're not jeopardizing our retirement at all. We kind of have like a a retirement health check where it says you have a hundred percent probability of success or 95, et cetera. And then we kind of dive deeper into that. But the last thing that you want to see is you came to me last year before you retired and we agreed to all of these things and your financial probability of success was a hundred percent. After 12 months, you didn't follow the plan at all. And now you've dropped down to a significantly lower probability of success because of your spending. So we need to either acknowledge that you're going to go broke and continue doing whatever it is you're doing, or we need to make some adjustments. But it's not my decision to make for you. You can do whatever you want. Uh, but 
I mean, that's a, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And that's just a matter of, you know, some people find it, you know, you say, well, we need to understand family dynamics and we need to find a common ground. And, and all those are part of the puzzle. I'm being kind of harsh as I'm saying this. But at the end of the day, the numbers are what they are. And again, I'm not uh, going to tell you what to do with your money. I'm just going to tell you what the outcome looks like. And then you're probably going to ask me questions as to how do we fix that or is there a way that we can alter things to change it? And that's part of the conversation for sure. But just through that conversation itself, I think that I can probably alleviate some of that tension between partners that, quite frankly, it's very, very difficult in certain relationships to talk about. It's very difficult for a spouse to tell their husband he's playing golf too much or for a husband to tell his wife that she's doing whatever, you know, well, buying too much X. Well, I don't know. I, um, I don't think wives really have a problem with telling husbands that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I do imagine a lot of people are on different pages assuming your partner, oh, he's going to do this during retirement or she's going to do this during retirement. People or couples definitely need to have that conversation. You know, how what does retirement look like to you? What does retirement look like to you? And and have that conversation before they come talk to you. For sure, for sure. And and a lot of times though, that conversation, uh, either fortunately or unfortunately, needs to be had sometimes in front of me. You know, conversations are, you know, sometimes very very easy for folks, and and oftentimes they need call it an arbitrator. Uh, a non-biased third party to kind of walk them through. And I think if there's one thing that I'm, I'm pretty decent at, it's finding common ground and uh, kind of coming up with some boundaries, you know, if you will, meaning that, you know, let's not be judgy on this versus that. But what I can offer is what the outcome will be if we continue on this glide path. So what are you willing to to give versus this? And, you know, you can kind of start the conversation and very rarely will clients get into uh full-fledged arguments in front of me, um, but you'd be surprised. But, uh, you know, I think we can usually find a common ground that will improve their scenario. And both parties will be happy. Well, I can't guarantee that, but they'll, they'll uh, at least know the outcomes of their decisions, uh, and then they can choose to do what they want to do with it. But uh, I would like to think, or at least I'm hopeful to think, that I can help come to that resolution in a, in a happier method than maybe just uh, – you know, as oftentimes happens, uh, lodging, uh, launching rocks over the bow, right? Let's actually have kind of a, a heartfelt, genuine conversation that has a, a logical outcome. Josh's number, the number to call if you and your spouse would like to schedule an appointment with Josh and look at your options and go through the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process. The number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. And just want to remind you that every Monday at 6 p.m., Josh talks to Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. You can also hear that conversation as well at aptuswealth.com. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us. On behalf of Josh Pick, I'm Diane Brennan. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next weekend. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. 